Welcome to the Transformation in a Day podcast, and I'm your host, Alana May Mitchell, where each episode you'll hear inspiring ways that you can transform yourself and your team. You'll hear from me and a range of phenomenal guests who share our insights and top tips on accelerating transformational change for the better in your world and organization. So here we go. On today's episode, we are in conversation with Mark Krupp, who is truly living the dream as an Atlassian modern work expert and evangelist, working with organizations around the world to unleash their potential through enabling new ways of working. Over his extensive career, Mark has gained deep experience in the roles of team doctor, speaker, agile coach, scrum master, and product owner. So without further ado, here is Mark. Hi, Mark. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much for being here. Oh, Lana, thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to be here. So good, so good. And we'll get straight into the questions because you've got a really interesting topic that you speak about. So I'd love to hear how you create alchemy within average teams so that they come become high performing. Oh, this is one of my this is one of my new favorite topics. Uh, is this idea is if you know if you're familiar with the concept of alchemy, it's this idea of taking something something like lead, something that's considered generally not of a lot of value, and turning it into something that's that's highly sought after. I mean, the whole concept is lead to gold. And to me, as I look at teams, if I think about how teams work. A lot of times you're throwing a bunch of people together that are trying to figure out how to collaborate. And honestly, by injecting a few principles into how they work, some practices, you'll all of a sudden turn something in that the whole is greater than the sum of those individual parts. It's something much more substantial. Uh, and, and, and that comes in through things like uh, finding out how we collaborate. Like some of the things I talk about uh, in this uh, in this kind of construct of alchemy is we've got to go in and become very intentional about how we team together. So let's let's do things like team collaboration agreements, working agreements, to help us kind of figure out how we work versus just myself as Mark works. That way we kind of say, hey, I'm an individual here, but in order to transform, we've got to be a team. Sure, and I heard in there you said how we team together. So you use team as an action word. As a, can mm-hmm. you explore, explain that, expand that a little more? Oh, yeah. So I, I kind of think about team, teaming as an action word. is it's, It is an act of actually going about the collaboration uh, process. So we could be working together. And then typically we see this. Uh, you know, I'm working with a team actually right now uh, here internally within Atlassian where number of us uh, are individual players. We each have our own primary thing we're responsible for. And honestly, we could just keep doing our job with just that primary thing. But the thing is, is we're trying to create something a little bit bigger than just any one of us can provide. I can provide the ability to, you know, kind of go out there and coach on practices. <laughs> Someone else has the ability to go and build up environments of technology in a way. But it's us coming together and actually bringing my skills as well as their skills together to actually create something that is that neither one of us could have done on our own. And to me, that action of teaming, that is that bringing those two pieces together. So it's that radical collaboration. It's that ability to actually do something um, as one single unit, but that single unit is is 
two plus people actually trying to come together to change something. Right. And I also want to touch on, you mentioned about the team charter or the team. That's what I've, ref, I've referred to it as in the teams that yeah. I've worked within. And so I think it's really interesting for leaders who are listening is that they have their way of operating and you come together as a team. So you go through the team cycle of forming, storming, norming, performing. I'd love to dive into the role of that team charter in how it helps with the forming and the norming for the team. And also if you can expand on, I'd like to explore how that team charter can up-level the team. Hmm. That's a great question. one of the things, and you've probably been in these similar situations, you know, you ever been on a team and, you know, you, you get thrust into a new group, you're, you're working together and all of a sudden something maybe annoys you a little bit within that group. And yeah, you know what, I'm, I'm sitting on a call and we're just sitting here and it doesn't feel like we're doing much or, or we, you know, maybe we start our calls off with a bunch of banter. And, you know, honestly, I'm like, I'm not into that. And so all of a sudden I start getting a little annoyed. And so all of a sudden, when you think about things like team development, we're definitely at that point heading into things like our storming. But the thing is, is as you're in storming, that's a spot where you can remain at for a very long period of time. If you're not able to actually talk about some of the issues that might arise, you know, that you may have with within the team, those little things like just having, you know, your, uh, your ability to think about how you contribute or your, your, your desire to say, Hey, I, I love getting down to business or something to that effect. If others don't know that, they don't know to say, hey, we should probably talk about how we want to deal with this. And so for me, things like working agreements are really, or, or team charters or you name it, these things are powerful in that what they do is they make something that can be very implicit. So things that we make assumptions about, it makes something that's very implicit, explicit. And so back in the, you know, over the years, I probably run a hundred plus of these. And as I would work with teams, one of the coolest things you'd see is you'd see some teams who would, you know, there was one team back at a financial firm I was working with, and they'd been around for eh, maybe, you know, a year or two. They've been working, not not much change within their dynamics, but they're like, you know what, we think we need a, we think we want to do one of these working agreements. And so I came in and, and we spent about two hours going through this together. And it was amazing the things that came out. A lot of the, t- what we started finding was that there were team members who were just not really happy with how things were moving because they were making assumptions that other people were, were taking care of certain things or that, hey, everyone believes that we've got to go out for, uh, uh, you know, for drinks on Friday and I'm, I'm not that kind of person. And so what happened with their working agreement, they started agreeing in terms, they started understanding, oh, this is how, what you need from us. Not just what the, you know, what others want from you, but what you, what you need from us. And what they came to, and like that example, was they started saying, okay, so we want to, you know, hey, we, we all want to have fun, or we all want to make sure we're working on the right thing. They actually then came to an understanding of like, what does that mean? How do we, when I want to invite you to something, how would I actually go about doing that? And so making that implicit, explicit, allowed them to kind of clear the air. And that's where, to me, and I think about Tuckman's model, and I think about that ability to, you know, go from the "Hey, we're all just friends" to now we're now we're really starting to figure out how we work together. Really, the one of the only ways to move from that storming to more of that norming is going to be through things like 
team working agreements, this idea of making that implicit, explicit in the process. I love that. And I love how you've touched on the implicit to the explicit. It's something that I use in my own work. And so it's really important because we can come as leaders and as team members come into these groups and think that everyone works the way that we Mm -hmm. work and has the same needs that we do. And it's not until you have that conversation with people to really understand what are their needs? What do we need as a team? What is, what does the leader need? What is the the rest of the team need so that you can understand the greater picture of what you're contributing to and how you can work together. And I also feel for a leader who's listening, even holding that conversation and signaling to your team that you're interested in having that conversation and the dynamics Mm -hmm. and the process that happens where you go through that, because it's not what I want to point out is it's not just the ways of working team charter that you have that comes together. It's the process of going through that. Yes. It's the journey, right? (laughs) Can you speak to some of the experiences? Because I feel that's, that's where a lot of the alchemy happens in the journey. Can you have you got some examples around that, Mark? Yeah, I've got you know as we think about things like the the journey process there of going through like, whether it be working agreements or there's actually a really good op- uh, exercise we would do um, to help teams kind of come to things like decision making. So let me talk a little bit about that decision making one. We we ran something that co- was called a collaboration contract uh, with the team. And this was a team that had come together and they had to, there were, there was really a lot of uncertainty around who made certain decisions. You know, picture, if you will, um, you've got a senior leader. Uh, you've also got some, you know, some type A personality kind of like uh, individuals on the team that also want to take charge. And all of a sudden, everyone's kind of fighting about like who makes what decision. And so what we did is we actually sat down and through this collaboration contract process, we said, hey, what are all of the decisions we've got to make? And we, we spent you know, an afternoon listing out all these different decisions that we had to make. And then we said, all right, now what we have to do is figure out where we each fall when making those decisions. And what we would do as part of that is we would kind of look at it and, and we'd give everyone a sticky and they'd have their name. Actually, they had a bunch of stickies. They had their name on it. And we had a couple of columns. So this was, we were in a big room. They, we, we did this all on a whiteboard. And there was a columns that was like, you know, it's going to be owner. There was one that was going to be agreed. There was one that was going to be informed. Basically types of roles they would play for that decision. If you were the owner of that decision, the idea is that you make that decision. The one person that makes that decision. And so when we look down that column and we see multiple people put their name on there, we say, hey, we we've only can have one in this column. If it's going to be an owner, it can only be one. And so what we would allow us to do then is say, all right, we've got to come to an agreement here. Is it is it an owner or is it we have to mutually agree on this decision? Or, you know what, honestly, I don't need to be part of this. Just inform me afterwards. And it was amazing the types of conversations we started having because all of a sudden we talked about things like prioritizing work. Leader puts in there his name. Type A personality or individual who's kind of like the lead in the team, helping the team do their work, puts their name on there, both on the owner. And all of a sudden they're like, well, I'm the lead. I, I, I should be making this. And the owner's like, well, I'm actually with this team all day long. Like, that's what my job is. And so it really got them talking about 
really what their roles were. So one of those, you know, things of, again, alchemy of turning that, you know, uh, we're, we're kind of okay. We're doing all right as a team to, wow, we can actually make, we can move faster because we can make better decisions. All of a sudden that started unleashing itself because now there was clear lines of, of understanding around what it meant to, you know, who made this decision, who, who needed to know about something because now Again, the implicit became explicit for them. They talked about it. And I think that's one of those key elements of there. And as you're speaking, I'm reminded of the African proverb. I think it is go slow to go fast. Oh, yes. Yeah. So for, for what might seem, if you compare the two paths, so you could have, you know, going along, having multiple thinking, people thinking that they're the owner of making the decision and then deal with it when it comes up, which. Oh yeah. You imagine that, you know, all of a sudden you're like, wow, man, that person just, uh, why are they making that decision? And you imagine the things that aren't being said then in the room, like, you know, contempt that's being built. Mm -hmm. Or you could have this open, collaborative, constructive, not easy. Mm -hmm. I would point out that what you're suggesting and what you've done with teams to have that transformation is that, it's not an easy conversation to have. It's very Mm-mm. straightforward, um, frank speaking with, with people and, and with the team and to, to flesh it out. However, what I hear from that is that when, as a team, you may be working for a team together for an 18-month project, think of all the decisions that you're going to make across that 18 months and how much easier that yep. will be for how long would you invest in that kind of process, Mark? Right. How long, for us, like in that exercise there, it took us about four hours to go through. And you know, honestly, think about that investment from the amount of spinning that you'd have down the road. And honestly, it, it again, it goes back to all the different things that happen. Yeah, you might spin, but also you've built, you know, some people might be resentful for how things are playing out if that implicit is still, you know, it's an implicit decision. I might leave an organization because I don't feel un- I don't feel like I'm being valued. I'm understood. So there's so many pieces of value that that get tied back to having that small conversation. That in the grand scheme of things, it's like oh, we've got to make space for that. But in the end, it's again it reaps that value from that small investment. I'd love to build on that with a question around unleashing the potential in other people because you're currently at Atlassian. And that is very much in the principles of unleashing potential. So what would be some of the key ingredients if someone is wanting to unleash their own potential? First of all, you may need to unleash it in yourself before you can unleash it in someone else. Or if you were looking to work with your team and unleashing their potential, what would be the key ingredients involved in that? Mm, That's a great question. You know, as I think about, you know, one of the interesting things, I was talking about this just the other day with somebody is the aspect that, you know, we talk a lot about teams, but honestly, teams are made up of people. And if people aren't, to your point, people aren't unleashed, you're going to have a hard time unleashing teams. So a lot of times when it comes down to people is, is being able to understand. And the biggest thing is I found, even just in my career, if I think about it, is really taking a deep dive in terms of what you're passionate about, spending time thinking about, all right, what it is that, where do you add value? Where do you feel that you, you know, fill a space to be able to kind of, you know, make things better around you? Uh, One thing that I've found is as I've gone around, you know, setting myself some goals around that has been incredibly powerful. And, And one of the big things a lot of people get stuck around is, you know, I set you set yourself some personal goals around growth or around what you want to do to help unleash your potential. 
And then, you know, things go a little sideways and they're like, well, why am I setting these goals? It goes back to the journey piece. It's that active piece of trying to go through and, and think about how you get a little bit better every day at a time. That's the part that matters. It's not the end state of that goal. So for me, that's as I think about, you know, some tips and stuff that I've found as I've worked with others as well as myself is really getting honest with yourself and setting yourself some growth milestones. Others, otherwise, you, you stagnate and that actually then leads to you not being able to, you know, help unleash the potential of your team. Now, as I, I think about teams now too, this is where it gets interesting because teams are also an el- that share very similar elements here. Uh, I'm a big advocate of the fact that, and we even talk about in our latest state of teams report from Atlassian, um, essentially only about 17% of teams are truly healthy if, if we look at the data. And what's interesting about that is one of the primary reasons teams aren't healthy is because they lack understanding around their alignment to what they're trying to do, their connectedness to what they're trying to do. So just like as an individual, where we're trying to connect ourselves to what we're passionate about, we set goals, teams need to do very similar things. And, and, and again, it's, it's, uh, it's fairly straightforward for teams to ask these questions, but we just don't do it. Ask our questions, what are we trying to do as a team? Who are we trying to help? what's the thing, what's the piece of value that we believe we can deliver? And it's amazing. We're answering three questions like that actually enables a team to move and, and actually move from that unhealthy towards that healthy spot in their future. Because now all of a sudden they've kind of got that commonality. Again, goes back to the thing. We're no longer just individuals. We all see that thing we're all moving towards. And so for me, as I work with teams, teams that are, are trying to figure out their next best path and how do they grow, answering those questions are the first thing that I actually spend time doing. Right. And what would you add around the top five lessons for successful transformation? So we're hearing about going from an unhealthy team to a healthy team, asking those mm-hmm. questions, having shared principles. Are there any other lessons that you have around all the work that you've done in transformation? Uh, I think one of the things that I like to think about transformation, again, it, it's simple ones that you've, your, your listeners have probably heard before, but it's, it's worth repeating. Things like, again, it's the journey, not that destination. I think transformation as a word is always one that it, it elicits the idea of an end state. And so to me, it's more like change evolution. It's this aspect of you're always going to continue to grow. And so when you're approaching, whether it be personal team organizational transformation it's keeping in mind that you're going to set flags in the road and then at that each point as you get there you're going to kind of sense and adapt at that point you're going to figure out how you want to change a little bit differently other things that i found from my my career in in transformation is being very intentional about the change a lot of times we bring change in and we say, hey, we're going to do this thing. And we, we just say, oh, we're going to do this thing. But there's not a lot of intentionality put into the human side of what that means. Even something as simple, I mean, I'm in it with Atlassian, we're a tooling company. Even something as simple as a tool can have immense impacts on an organization and not thinking about how people are going to react to this. How are we going to use this to better better ourselves? It's one of those things that, although subtle, it gets missed more often than it should in transformation. So for me, that's a huge piece. Other elements I've kind of seen in my career with transformation has also been making sure that we have that advocacy at the top as we think about organizations. 
I've worked with, uh, in, uh, most of my background has been in the agility space. And so as I think about organizations going through agile or business transformations, the ones that have been successful, one of the most successful ones I've been at was one where we were in a finance, we were in a financial firm and it all came down to having executive sponsorship for us. We had the CEO of the organization actually join us for training where we were talking about what we're trying to do. And it was not necessarily just him being there, but it was others seeing him there saying like, wow, we're actually invested in this. This isn't just the next flavor of the day. And it was funny, that was one that we moved the needle so far that they moved beyond even where I'd ever seen organizations get to. It was amazing. Me and a friend of mine, we'd sit there and we're like, what do we do next? And we're like, we don't know. We've never been this far. This is great. Let's sense and adapt. Let's figure out what's the next thing we're going to work through. And so for me, I think that's a other huge element of there is again, that having that sponsorship. But then on the other side, it's also getting, making sure people understand the value. For us in one company I was working with, we actually brought in, uh, you know, Gene Kim, he wrote wrote the DevOps uh, or the Phoenix project, very big in the DevOps world. The organization actually brought him in and actually had people like, we did book clubs with him to actually talk about what we're trying to change. So it wasn't just, again, executives coming down and saying, we're gonna do this. What we spent time doing was building up support and kind of hunger for what we were trying to do, getting people to think about, ooh, you know, I see myself in that world. I want to get better. And so finding ways to build that kind of hunger at, uh, you know, at the at the individual level to say, I want to change, oh, that's, it's amazingly powerful. And, and that's where you get, if I think about things like alchemy, those are all those little elements that come into play, all the, all the little pieces that once you bring together and you add that little spark to it, now all of a sudden it all starts working. Uh, it, it turns into gold. So those are some things I've seen in my in my transformation career. Absolutely. Brilliant, brilliant. And I am really appreciating the intentionality behind these these pieces is that if you are able as a leader to or even in your team as to step out and to look at well, how is it that we are working and how do mm-hmm. we want to work? How would we love to work? And to invest some time in that space. So we started off with the ways of working in the team charter, having the intentionality, even at the space, which I just absolutely resonate with when the team got to a place where they were so great, it was beyond what they thought to Mm -hmm. step back and say, okay, take the time and say, where to from here? Yep. Where to next? So critical. So critical. And so for what might be the final question, how might someone who is listening, who's in corporate organization, apply what we're talking about here today? What are some ways that they can really make it concrete in their world? This is always where it gets interesting because a lot of times, you know, people hear these amazing stories of change or they, think, or they, they hear about this revolutionary idea and they're like, crap, how do I how do I go into my world where I don't see as much of that change as possible? How do I apply that? So one of the biggest things I say is get in there and start again, making little nudges for us. That's our biggest thing is I always think about it as nudges and those nudges are you are as a person, as a listener right now, you are empowered to work with the people around you and think about maybe some better ways to do some things. 
maybe you're struggling with making some decisions right now. Go out there and find a cool decision-making framework. Things like the uh, uh, that, that collaboration contract I mentioned. Maybe you use a, you know selfish plug. Atlassian Playbook has an awesome play called the Daisy, which is all about decision-making. Go out there and tr try it out. I think that's the biggest thing I've found is that as teams try to do it, everyone wants to try to eat that elephant in one giant bite. They're like, this is how it is. And if I can't do it, why am I going to change? The thing is, this change doesn't happen like that. Changes happens with the little nudges, little pushes here and there. And, and it's amazing where you go in there and as an individual, let's say you're struggling with something and you go and say, we're going to try something new. Let's go. Let's try this practice. And, and try it on for size. And all of a sudden you've got someone else in the room who maybe was a bit of a skeptic and then they went through it and they're like, this is great. And then you know what they do is they go over and they're in another session and they say, hey, I went through this really cool thing. Let's try that. And you can just see how dominoes start, start to fall in that process. And so for me, as you get started out, one thing I always say is go out there and, and do small experiments because if you're not doing this in these kind of small experiment kind of ways, it can be really hard to, to actually think about transformation and change. And really in the end, again, it's the journey. It's not that destination, it's that little bits better and thinking about how we transform just a little bit at the time. So go out there, check, you know, go find resources. You know, I'll, I'll, again, I will, I will plug, Atlassian has done some amazing work with our practices. We, we share a lot of those out in terms of, as we've grown from a, a little startup to now nearly 10,000 people, you know, we've evolved our practices because we've had to transform. And for us, as we've done that, we've started to share those. And so we have a, a Atlassian playbook out there. It's got 50 plus different things that can help you transform just those little nudges at a time. Go check them out. What I can do is pop that in the show notes to make it really I love easy. That. So if you want to check out the playbook, just scroll down and click the show notes. And there is an invitation for you who's listening to experiment, to try a small experiment. Yep. That will be my, that is the challenge coming out of here. Once you listen to this, I don't even take it one step further within sure. the next week after listening to this, after this podcast, try something and then respond back. Let us know about it. I want to hear about how you experimented. You know, find me out on LinkedIn. Find me out on Twitter. Let me know because honestly, it's those stories that then help encourage and inspire others. Oh, amazing. Amazing. What an invitation. So Mark, it's been so amazing and there's so many gems in there. I can't wait to share this with everybody. So thank you so much for sharing your insights and time today. Oh, awesome. Well, thank you so much, Alana. I really appreciate it. What a conversation with Mark we just heard. Here are the key takeaways and key questions that I have for you after listening to this episode. The first one is on team charters and working agreements. How might you create one of those for your team? What are the ways that you and your team can work better together? The second one on my mind is about decision-making. So I'd really love you to reflect on how are you making decisions in your team? If you step back and looked at the decision-making process for a moment, what might be some better ways that you and your team can make those decisions? And finally, how can you be more intentional with those decisions and the changes you make in your organization? 
If you've loved the conversation today and are interested in working with myself or Mark, you can reach out to us via the details in the show notes. I'd love you to write in about this episode, as would Mark, and tell us about how you introduce a transformation into your day. You can rate the show and leave a review and share it with a team member or leader who you'd love to invite to run an experiment with. That's all for today. We'll catch you soon.